Good morning. It's lovely to see you here today to be able to welcome you to our gathering for worship, uh, both here in the building and online. Um, just to familiarize you with a couple of things uh, before we dive into a time of worship together. Um, you may have noticed, if you came around that way, um, that we have a new uh, opportunity for, for, as it were, walk through prayer. Um, we don't have our prayer stations in the building for obvious reasons, uh, but we have a little gazebo uh, set up outside, or as one of the elders termed it, um, a pagoda of prayer. Um, you can use that if you wish. I've said it now, it's going to stick, isn't it? Um, but it's a great opportunity to be able to walk through and have socially distanced prayer from people who are a part of our prayer team and want to encourage you. So that's going to be available before and after each of our gatherings going forward. Of course, you'll know um, we're going to be sharing communion as well, and that's largely on a bring-your-own basis, especially if last week you did partake of these hermetically sealed cups, which are very useful and taste less than wonderful. But it doesn't change the fact that God loves us, and we're delighted to be celebrating those truths and those facts this morning. So for those of you here in the building, for those of you watching at home, why don't we stand? Why don't we come together and to pray? We're going to be led um, in some wonderful songs in a moment or two. We're not singing, of course, in the building, as you know, uh, but we are reflecting on God's goodness. We're celebrating his grace in our lives. So let's pray as we come together around him. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you for all our different walks in life. We thank you for all the different ways that you have brought us and brought us together. Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize before you again that we've been brought together because you are the center of it all. And Lord Jesus, you have told us that you are the way and that you are the truth and that you are the life and that no one comes to the Father except by you. And our thanksgiving this morning, our rejoicing this morning, is that we are coming by you. We're coming, Lord Jesus, through what you have done for us at the cross. We're coming, Lord Jesus, according to the, the wonders, the life that you've spoken to us. And Lord Jesus, we're coming knowing that we're, well, we're imperfect people, but we are being changed by your Spirit, according to your word. We're changed from glory into glory. And we're being changed, we're journeying in your way until we see your face. And God, we thank you this morning. It's a part of that journey. It's a part of your way, your truth, your life. So God, fill us with these things, Lord God. Bring us to new life, Lord Jesus, in your truth. Lord God, help us to be an encouragement to one another in this building, across our live stream, in our transformed communities this week, in the weeks ahead. Now, times are tough. But God, you have said in this world, we will have trouble, but we can take heart. You have overcome the world. And so we rejoice in you this morning. God, you are good. God, you are good. If you're here, if you're at home, why don't you give thanks to God in your own words for his goodness, for his grace, for his never failing kindness, his unchanging mercies. God is good and he's good to you. Amen. Isn't it good to be able to worship God in all circumstances that we give him the praise and the glory? Well, it's good to be here this morning, whether we're in church or online. And we've got some exciting news. Hopefully you've been updated, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, 
we have got Gateway Kids Storytime starting tonight at 6.30. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which if you search for Gateway Church Wirral, you'll be able to get it there. Not only that, we've also going back onto Zoom for our six pluses at 4.30 p.m. So I'll be sending out the details uh, and the ID number at 4.30. So please make sure your children come and join us. We've got all kinds planned and they will need a piece of bread this afternoon. Don't ask. But we'll see what goes on there. And hopefully as well, you've received your bags. I can see Ellie and Oba have got their bags as well. If you haven't, please just message me privately and we'll make sure we'll get one to you in the next couple of days. Well, this morning, here's a question for you. How many of you liked doing the long jump at school? There's one. (laughs) A two. Three. We've got four. We've got four of you. I wasn't too bad at it. But yeah, I wasn't brilliant at it. But we're going to see this morning the challenges. How far can you jump? And how far can Pastor Karen jump? So here's the first challenge. I brought some cues for me to do that. So from there, let's start there. Okay, so I promise you that I can jump over these sticks. Do you believe me? Do you reckon? Now you have to warm up, don't you? So should we do some stretches let's see if the knees creak yeah a little bit there some stretches there some stretches there okay so the long jump here we go deep breath not bad okay so I kept that promise that I could jump that should we make it a little bit further wider okay here we go let's see go to there okay I promise you, I can jump that. Do you reckon? Oh, here we go. We've got sound effects going on here. Okay, I better not do this. Here we go. Okay, right. I think we should do this one more time. See how good Pastor Karen is at jumping. Here we go. Right, I promise you, I can jump from there to there. How many of you believe I can do that? None of you have faith in me. Okay, are we going from back here? So I've got a keyboard, I've got a screen, I've got the pulpit. Okay, are you ready? Three, two, one. I failed miserably there, didn't I? Totally. But the first two times, I made that promise that I could complete the jump. And you didn't doubt me at all, did you? You believed I could do it. When it got a little bit further and a little bit harder, you started to doubt. And I promised you that I could do it. Unfortunately, me being me, I failed. It was a little bit too far. My legs couldn't stretch. I can't do the splits. And I'm not going to attempt to do the splits because you'd be carrying me out of here on that. But at times, isn't it, we look at things, we make promises, and we can break them. Or we actually doubt that they can be done, don't we? But God keeps his promises. No matter what he promises, he fulfills them. 
And today we're going to be speaking a little bit later about Abraham and Sarah. Because, of course, Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were in this predicament where God had promised to give them the nations, to be the father of nations. But they disbelieved. They looked through their eyes. And they looked at it and they just thought, this is impossible. But God wants us to trust in him. Because God keeps his promises through all situations that we face. We are God's people. God loves us for who we are. And he wants us to fix our eyes spiritually on him. To see the bigger picture. See, Abraham and Sarah, I said, they laughed to themselves in disbelief. But God saw the bigger picture. And he kept his promises. So when things seem to be a little bit hopeless, four things for us to do this morning, whether you're here or at home, okay, is one, think, God is on my side. He wants to help me. Two, say, I will rejoice and be patient through this situation. Let's not be negative. Let's be positive and rejoice. Three, ask God to help you trust in him. And number four, obey, be patient, wait for God to work things out because God always keeps his promises. So can I encourage you, even if the situation seems really, really hard, okay, and we sometimes don't believe, trust in God because he will always keep his promises. So be encouraged. We look forward to seeing the children this afternoon at 4.30 and 6.30 p.m. And I'm going to pass over to Pastor Greg. I thought for a minute I was going to be invited to take a running leap to the pulpit, but uh, (laughs) I also cannot do the splits. Um, Great. Um, So as you've heard there, we're going to be talking a little bit about promises in a moment or two. And we're doing so continuing in uh, our Story of God series, which is tracking through all of the story of God, who he is, how he's made us, what's been going on in the world, and how he wants to be with us again. And just before we get into that, there's one further thing to share with you is that this coming Thursday, look, if we believe that God keeps his promises, then it's really good to talk to him about who he is and about his promises. And so we're in inviting everybody in our church this Thursday to spend the day in prayer and in fasting. And uh, perhaps we'll put out some messaging about fasting if any of you are not familiar with that. Um, but we're, we're inviting you to, to pray, to fast. And then in the evening at eight o'clock, we're going to be having one of our occasional Zoom prayer gatherings. Um, so we're going to invite absolutely everybody in the church to be there. And on Zoom, we're going to be praying together and really believing on the promises of God. You know, when everything around you in the world seems upside down, I think we need a God who we know is right side up, don't we? And, and, and that's where actually our story of God began, because right at the beginning, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were talking about how God created everything, including you and me, and he created us in his image. And what do we know about God? Well, we know that he is good, and he is perfect, and he is right. Good, perfect, and right. It's really good for us to retain that as kind of the anchor for the whole story. Uh, Because if without a knowledge of the character and the conduct of God, sometimes we'll find we come a little bit unmoored as we go along through the journey. That, of course, is what happened with Adam and Eve right at the beginning. From creation, perfect, comes rebellion. 
and imperfection, brokenness, separation, sin, everything tend toward decay and toward death. And, and from there, we saw how sinful humanity replicated that cycle over and over and over again. And that's what we saw last week. We saw that God, uh, well, rather that human sin, we, we have a tendency to choose ourselves over God in our hearts. And how it is that God looks at our hearts, not just at actions. And God, because he is good and perfect and right, shows mercy and grace, even while he is justly punishing human rebellion. We saw that our sense of self and of sin lead towards separation and death. But there is a promise here for us that obedience leads towards life and towards relationship with God. How it was last week, we saw that God says that life is in the blood and all life belongs to him. That's a really key point that will become really important for us away down in the story. And we also discussed what it means that God has created and commanded us to be fruitful, to be fruitful. There's a promise, a possibility, a meaning, a purpose for your life and for my life, for us as a church in this world. And so today we're going to be thinking about a people of God. We're going to be thinking about the fact that we're called to have identity as God's family, that God chose his people by grace, his gift of unmerited favor. It's not dependent upon our goodness, but upon his goodness. And God is looking for a family. He's forming a family to trust in him, not trust in our own ways. And the people that God chooses to work through to deliver his purposes and his promises, well, they look much like you and me. People are messy. People get it wrong as often as they get it right. God only has the choice of messy people because I don't know whether you've looked around you much. There aren't many others, <laughs> any others. Aren't we all prone to get things wrong? Aren't we all prone towards self? But God comes. He wants to rescue us and work through us. And so God comes to bring um, a wonderful uh, sense of, uh, of the beginning of this in his family. And we're going to talk about that in a very particular word, covenant. I'll explain that in a moment. These stories are drawn from the Bible as they always are. Genesis chapters 11 through to 18, 22, 26, even all the way through to 50 one way or another. Don't worry, you don't have to read that all this week. The homework is not that substantial. And then even a little bit into Exodus 1. All of these themes of God unpacking his promise and promise relationships. What we're seeing is that this story is often a story of remembering and not remembering, of forgetfulness. All too often of people forgetting, forgetting God, forgetting him as the creator and as the Lord of all, forgetting God's good and perfect intent for his creation and for you and me as people. Are, are you forgetful? Are you increasingly forgetful? <laughs> this is the way it goes, isn't it? it? I don't know, maybe maybe you feel like 2020, is it a year to forget? Or, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe, are there things even so that we can learn and remember and grow in and grow through? It is so easy to forget. In recent news, a man was spotted on the bus to Manchester, and I think, Berenice, do we have this picture of the man on the bus? I think we do. And he was up, spotted on a bus in Manchester. If you can't see it quite, it, it, he's got a snake wrapped around his neck and his chin and his face. 
Has anybody forgotten their mask if they've been going to the shops or somewhere else? You find yourself dashing back to the car or dashing back home. Well, this guy came up with a, a, a simple solution. I have no mask. I will wear my snake. Um, and he was genuinely in Manchester. We all know that people in Manchester are a little bit, you know. Um, but he was, I got this snake wrapped around his face. It is, of course, mandatory to wear a face covering on public transport. It can be homemade, but this guy takes it to another level. Not only um, does he you know, think that this is breathable, it's actually breathing. Um, goodness me, I think I'd just go home. Um, although maybe if I had a snake at home, I probably wouldn't go home, actually. It's just that doesn't appeal entirely. Um, it, apparently, nobody was injured or bitten. And... The reptile didn't seem to bother anybody. I don't know whether this is common in Manchester, but nobody batted an eyelid, apparently. Um, forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. We're going to pick up the story um, just a, a little while, not long, in fact, after the story of Noah that we concluded with um, last week. Noah's descendants soon forgot. How would you forget the ark and the rain and the, the salvation and how would you forget the smell of all those animals cooped up for that? I don't know, but they, they forgot what God had done. And just a few generations down the tracks, and people have forgotten how he had spared them in the flood. And once again, they planned to go their own way. What did it look like? Well, they started to construct this great city out of bricks. They said to themselves, let's build a monument to ourselves that reaches to the heavens to show how great we are. Who were they showing it to? Well, if it's showing how great we are, they're probably showing it to God, aren't they? They're trying to say, well, actually, we've got this. They've, they've forgotten. And they say, let's do it so that we won't be dispersed across the world. And God sees what's going on, because God sees everything. And he saw how people were gathering together to honor themselves instead of him. It's getting things upside down how they were collecting themselves together for their plans and purposes rather than going forth, multiplying, being fruitful, filling the world with God's purposes. They turned it on their, its head. At the time, the Bible tells us, everyone on earth spoke the same language. Scouse, I imagine, um, probably. Seems most likely, doesn't it? But God gave the people different languages to confuse them, to make it harder for them to join together in rebellion. It's actually grace that God is giving them this so that they would not continue in rebellion. And then he scattered them all over the earth. Again, it's actually grace that they would go in his way and according to his will because, spoiler alert, that's better. It's better than our way. I've got a question for you. Why did God stop the people building a monument to themselves? That sounds like a silly question, but truth is, we often do this with our own lives, don't we? We see our lives somehow as something that we're supposed to build up, almost as a monument to our own ingenuity, or strength, or goodness, or wisdom. Why would God stop that? Just a few generations later, God established a special relationship and a promise with another man named Abram. This special promise was called a covenant. It represented the deepest of all agreements between two people. 
It's a, a deeply binding promise. And God told Abram, I want you to leave your country and your family and go to the land I will show you. See how God is often sending us on journeys? Doesn't he do that in our lives? And he's doing this with Abraham. He says to him, I'll make you the father of a great nation and famous throughout history. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. The entire earth will be blessed through your descendants. This is an amazing promise that God was making. He was choosing to bless the entire earth through one little family of people. See, all of humanity, they try to form something through all coming together and building something, but that's not God's way. He said, actually, I'm going to come into relationship with one and one family, and that's how I work. Just one problem. Abram's wife, Sarah, not able to have kids. So how would the earth be blessed through their descendants? Not to mention they were getting on a smidge. At the time, we reckon Abram was about 75 and Sarah about 65. It's a little bit old to be having kids, isn't it? I feel a bit old to be having kids. <laughs> so God led Abram and his family to a land called Canaan. There God told Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction. I'm giving all of this land to you and your descendants. That land would be called the promised land. Some time passed. Abram and Sarah still didn't have a child. The question as we come now to have a song led of worship for us is, what do you do if time passes and hopes and dreams aren't fulfilled? How do you cope? Do you default back to your own plans like those people building a city, building a tower, building your own ideas, your own sense of self? Do you try to show yourself that you matter? Do you try to show the world that you matter? Or can we perhaps trust in God that he truly knows our worth and nothing will change that? That he loves us, independent of what you feel you've achieved or not. You don't have to impress him. You don't have to make a point to him. And so we come to reflect on these things. Maybe you want to pray. Ask God to settle your heart. If you feel like you've got to strive, got to work, got to impress, got to move, got to go, and the whole world is fighting against you well maybe just take a moment and ask God to bring some peace to our hearts this morning thank you thank you Lord Jesus for this timely reminder of our of our identity in you Lord Jesus so much of our circumstances will say we are this or we're that or we're not this we're not that Lord Jesus Christ we choose to believe you choose to believe your word we believe it over our circumstances we believe it over negative words spoken of us we believe it over our own querulous hearts or our own minds that would be so confused or even would deceive ourselves Lord Jesus you are good and perfect and right we choose to believe you and we ask Lord God would you do a work in our hearts help us we need you Amen, amen. We come again to just sharing a little more of the story of God before we reflect again around communion and around this shared table. 
Once again, thinking of forgetfulness and remembrance and how tough it is sometimes to remember in tough times. I read in, in the news again of another really great story, not quite so silly as the last one and with fewer snakes, thanks goodness. But uh, it, it, was, it was due to a chance meeting two sisters, and I think we've got a picture of them, two sisters from Nebraska in the, in the States have finally been reunited after, get this, 50 years of separation. That's a while, isn't it? 50, can you imagine? We talked a bit before about what do you do if it takes a long time for things to come true? 50 years. Bev Burra, 53, who was a medication aide at the Dunclow Gardens Hospital in Fremont, remembers that she was looking over her patient list and one name just leapt out at her, the name of Doris Crippen, 73. And that was the name of the sister she'd been trying to locate for years and years and years. You see, Doris, she'd been brought to hospital having sustained a fall at home while she was battling with COVID-19. Her sister Bev soon realized after a brief chat using a, a whiteboard, you know, because you're all kind of masked up and distant and all this, but they realized that they were sisters. And the joy of the moment totally overwhelmed them. They'd been searching for one another for years, but all they had to go on was each other's names. That was it. No wonder they didn't get very far. They'd never been able to find much info, but both feel that due to this bizarre turn of events, and sadly for Doris, she had this, this brush with coronavirus, but yet even through that, they've been immeasurably blessed in finding one another. Isn't that good? It just warms your heart, doesn't it really? Time may pass, times may be tough, things may seem to be getting worse, but just around the corner, just around the corner, what might be there? We pick up again this story um, with Abram and Sarah because it felt like that for them. You know, we already saw how they were pretty old when the promise came, but actually it was a long time before the promise started to be fulfilled. And, and you know, it didn't feel to them like they had that kind of time to play with. You see, Abram asked God, what good are all your blessings and promises if I don't even have a son? I'm getting old, and soon I will have to give my inheritance to one of my servants, which was the practice in those days. God replied to Abram, no, you will have a son who will inherit everything I have promised you. Then God took Abram out beneath the night sky and said, look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your family will be like this, too many to count. And Abram believed what God said. So God called him righteous because of his faith. That's a really key kind of moment for you. Grab a hold of that one. That God called him righteous, right standing with God because of faith, because of faith. Yet, more years passed. Sarah became impatient this time with not having a child. Forgetful, maybe, but more likely impatient. She asked her servants, an Egyptian woman named Hagar, to be a surrogate mother for her. Abram agreed with the plan. Hagar became pregnant and gave birth to a boy that they named Ishmael. But Hagar and Sarah's relationship became strained. During Hagar's pregnancy, she began to despise Sarah. And in return, Sarah treated her servant terribly. 
Eventually, Hagar and Ishmael were sent away and not allowed to live with Abram's family. Time passed. And when Abram was 99, God appeared to him again, saying, I am the mighty God. Serve me with your entire life and live purely. I will keep my covenant with you for many generations to come. I am changing your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Remember this. I will always be your God and you will always be my people. Then God added, I'm also changing your wife's name to Sarah. Sounds like he hasn't changed it, but you have to read it. Because previously she was Sarah with an I, and now she's Sarah with an H. I think Michael McIntyre had something to say about that, but that's another subject entirely. Um, Sarah now with an H, which means mother of many nations. Very soon she will be blessed with a son. You are to name this son Isaac. There's a lot of meaning in names, yeah? Abram, Abraham, Sarah, now Sarah with an H, changes the meaning. Isaac is full of meaning. You track all these names through your Bible and find out what's going on. Both Abraham and Sarah heard all of this, but they laughed. They laugh. Because so far it just sounds like words, and maybe... There's a bit of disbelief there. Maybe they're not yet understanding who is this God who's making these promises. Abraham wondered, how can I become a father at 100 years old? How can Sarah have a baby when she's not far behind me? Sarah thought, how could a worn-out woman like me have a baby? My husband is even older than I am. She probably didn't say that to his face because, you know, that doesn't go so well, does it? But... Abraham asked God, would you pass on your blessing through my son Ishmael? He still doesn't get it. Still doesn't get it. But God said, why did you laugh? Do you remember how God sees the heart? Even if you laugh on the inside, God knows. <laughs> Is it, why did you laugh? Is anything too hard for me? About a year from now, you will have a son named Isaac. It is through him that I will pass on my blessing, not any other way. Sure enough, a year later, exactly as God has said, Sarah gave birth to their firstborn son, naming him Isaac. You remember names have meaning? It means laughter. Surprise, surprise. The birth of Isaac was the beginning of God, fulfilling the promise he made to Abraham. Now you read the Bible, you see how it gets fulfilled more and more. We're going to unpack this in future weeks. God desired for Abraham's descendants, who are called the Hebrews, to be a new kind of people, who would show the world what it means to live in God's ways. Live in God's ways. Because God keeps his promises. And we're just going to kind of think about these things through the means of a few questions. I want to encourage you. You know, whether you're here in the building or at home, you need to make sure that you're a part of one of our transformed communities so that you can dialogue these questions in the week. It's all well and good listening to me um, share some of these truths with you, but there's so much more um, for you to unpack. But just as we begin now, let's take these questions, and maybe the band would come and you can begin to play. But uh, I want you to think about this. What was Abraham's relationship with God like? What was it like? You know, maybe we have a tendency to think about negative kind of aspects, but remember the good as well. What did we hear? Abraham trusted God. He had faith in God. He believed in him. When God made promises, he made sacrifices. When God said, go on a journey, he got up and he got going. 
even though he didn't know where he was going. But then there were times when he didn't believe, didn't trust, when they made that terrible wrong turn that led to such heartache, when they laughed. You know, where in the story do we see Abraham struggle to believe the promise? Ah, he's wrestling because he's got this inheritance and you know, maybe he, he doesn't want to kind of let it go. <laughs> maybe there's a bit of that. Or maybe in his heart of hearts, he really dreamed of passing it on to the next generation. Both he and Sarah, they laughed at God's promises, thinking, how could it happen? Are you a practical person? Do you always wonder about the mechanics of things? And it's like, well, that's a good dream, but how are we going to get there? (laughs) There's a good answer, isn't there? God. (laughs) Do you remember what a covenant is? It's a promise relationship. It's the deepest, truest, lasting relationship. Imagine like a marriage, don't we? That's a covenant relationship. This one between us and God, between Abraham and God, it's yet deeper, yet stronger, because it depends on God, who, remember, he's good. He's perfect. He's right. He'll never change. He'll never leave. He'll never fail you. And the promises God made to Abraham in this covenant relationship, they're pretty powerful, aren't they? What were those promises? Think on them. Reflect upon them promise of being a father of a great nation to bless and protect him bless all the nations of the earth through what does these what do these promises tell you that god is like who is your god who is this god that we're talking about do you want to know him do you want to follow him do you want to know him more god is good well, we've seen over and over and over again and going to have a song and then we're going to come into communion but look this is a theme that's been developing for us even over these three weeks God keeps his promises he keeps his promises now look this can be a tough thing as well as a good thing you see God promised to Adam and Eve that if they ate from that one tree then death would enter and the promise was true it's hard isn't it but the promise was true When Cain brutally murdered his own brother, God promised to him sin is crouching at the door. And the promise is true. It's tough, but it's true. Noah with the flood, here's a good promise. Do as you're told, build the ark, bring in the animals, trust in me, I'll save you. And the promise was true. And here again, God's promises are true. I want to encourage you as we're led in song now. Maybe consider these promises we've been sharing in the story of God. Look, if you've been following Jesus, maybe there are particular promises in your life. Things that you're holding on to. Maybe in times like we're in at the moment, it feels like you're clinging on to with your fingertips. God says, Psalm 68, you, you hold on to me. You cling on to me. Cling to me. Nothing shameful about clinging to God. But he says, and I will hold on to you. And that's good news, isn't it? Because my grip gets weak from time to time. I might find myself like Abraham or Sarah laughing on the inside, disbelieving in my actions, clinging on with just the last little bit that I've got. But God always has more. Because he's good and he's perfect and he's right. Lord Jesus, we're thanking you this morning. We're praising you. We're reminding our spirits and encouraging one another that through the storm, 
Jesus is Lord. That he is the Lord of all. All times and all places. Jesus is sovereign. His promises are true. He is faithful and just. Is anything too hard for our gods? We praise you. We worship you. And we come now to share in emblems that speak to us of this reality. Speak to us that nothing is too hard for our God. We recognize this morning that we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That we have all rebelled against Him. We have done what seemed right in our own eyes. It's brought separation. It's brought brokenness and it's brought death. Jesus Christ, knowing these things, has come and through his death, his punishment for our sins, has paid the price for us. Set us free. And so we are encouraged. Encouraged to receive his goodness and his grace. Like it may be that you're here this morning online and you've not yet received that grace you've not received that forgiveness for sins you've not yet surrendered your life into the hands of God as your loving Savior and Lord simply ask you can talk with God just as naturally as we read Abraham talking with God in the Bible through Jesus we know that we need not be afraid we can come humbly and receive his mercy and as we have come to him and received his forgiveness so this morning we take and we take bread that speaks of the body of Jesus broken for us and with thanksgiving in our hearts we take and we eat thank you Jesus for being so good to us for setting us free for making us whole take a cup that speaks again to us and it speaks as the scriptures teach us of covenant of promise of relationship that is made founded upon the goodness the perfection the rightness of God it doesn't depend upon us but we're invited into it and we honor this relationship we honor this covenant and Jesus has told us that this is a new covenant in his blood and we are to take and to drink all of it. We're to be united with Jesus, to be in relationship with him always, to know that our sins are washed away, that our hope is for today and tomorrow and all the days into eternity, and it is a sure and certain hope, for it is founded in him. Knowing these things, we take, we drink, with thanksgiving in our hearts. Let's drink together. Oh yes, Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. Why don't you give thanks to Jesus in your own words? Thank him for his goodness, his grace. Christ alone, the cornerstone of our lives. Yes, Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, dear God. Oh, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. I'd encourage you this morning and as we progress through the week, respond to the promises that God has made upon your life. Respond 
to the covenant relationship that he has invited you into? How can you respond? Well, if you're worshiping with us on the, the live stream, why don't you just fill in that card, that connection card, ask for prayer, and someone will be with you and they'll encourage you. For each and every one of us here in the building today, when it comes time for us to leave, why don't you go around to that tent and receive some prayer this morning. Be encouraged in Jesus. Every single one of us. Let's make sure to be with our transformed communities this week. Dive into this story of a faithful God who makes promises and keeps promises. Come Thursday, we'll be praying, we'll be fasting together. In the evening, we'll be gathering together online and praying and believing that God's promises can be known in our country at this time, in our world, at times of trouble, even of crisis respond to Jesus we respond to him and his grace if there's anything that's been said I'm going to be available at the side of the, of the stage here and you're more than welcome to chat with me chat with those who are online we want to encourage you you're more than welcome to, to make your way out as, as you'd like to God bless you be encouraged in our promise making promise keeping God Amen Amen God bless you